One of the best feelings in life is feeling anchored. When the waves of life come, you stay confident, stable, and secure. So how do we stay connected in a world full of distractions? We think honest conversations can help. I'm Allie. And I'm Lenise. Two friends who just want to chat about how to be our best selves. Thanks for joining us. This is Anchored in Life. I am very excited about this topic. Me too. Leadership. I was born a leader. Not only did I believe that in my soul, but my mom and dad told me that. So let's start first, real simple, defining leadership. It's what it means to us and what the difference is between personal leadership and professional Mm. leadership. I like talking about leadership. I've had the opportunity to work with some really great people throughout my career. Many were great leaders and even the ones where let's say I disagreed with their style, I was still able to learn from them, even if it was learn what not to do. It's amazing what can be accomplished under a great leader. And so during the pandemic, I took several leadership classes, one through Coursera and then another through Troy University. And they both, they task you with taking these quizzes to see your strengths and your personality styles. And I learned a lot about myself. I guess back to your question, what does leadership look like to you? To me, leadership is about inspiring and empowering other people to achieve their full potential while you're working towards a common goal. So a good leader is someone who can either lead by example or who communicates well, effective communication. And then they encourage collaboration and innovation too. They're not people who just spout out all these grand ideas, they encourage others to get involved, teamwork. I am noticing the difference for me between personal and professional leadership. So I am a manager. So I do lead people every day. They are my responsibility. I'm realizing that there is a difference between the way I do things in front of people and for people versus the way that I do things for myself. So when the pandemic hit, I was not leading myself well. Mm. And I fell off the wagon with a lot of things in my life that were very healthy for me. Now, a lot of that was out of my control because things had to stop. But when I came out of that, I was very disappointed in myself because when you were talking about a couple episodes ago about how you used to be this big go-getter in college and everything, I was the same way. I felt like I could face COVID and just run with it and everything was going to be fine. Let's just keep going. And I fell apart. Mm. I wasn't an effective leader in my job either because I wasn't leading myself. And so it seems inherently selfish, but you have to choose to lead yourself well before you can be a good leader. And that's really hard for good leaders to hear because they are usually selfless people. That's why they are good at it. I'm not going to say everyone is, of course, but when you meet good leaders, you do see in them, oh, you really care about the people that you lead or you really care about the greater good. Empathy took over for me and then I just absolutely stopped caring about myself in general. And then you start spiraling going, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And you have nothing left for anyone else. You know, I didn't have anything left for my husband who's closest to me, but certainly not for the people that I was leading. And so I had to pull myself out of the pit first before I could then work on what is my leadership style now that we've all been through this. The longer I live on this earth, I am learning that if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't put your mask on before you put someone else's mask on on a plane, like they say in the video, 
it really is not going to work out. Oh, I have the hardest problem with that. I know. When you put it in a metaphor like that, that's so visual, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But what they're saying with that does make a lot of sense. You can't help somebody if you're passed out, if you're not, if you're not well. I try to take care of myself and lead myself well so that I can then do what I love doing the most, which is helping other people see their full potential. I am such a gut decision maker that I've never struggled with thinking too much. And so I feel like that's a powerful tool for me to help other people. Now, I can take that to the extreme sometimes and make bad decisions because I don't think enough, which is why my husband is here to say, hold on, big decision. You should pause. You should think. And so he leads in a completely different way than I do, but we're both very effective. So a good leader recognizes the importance of continuous growth and not just the growth of other people, but the growth of yourself. Like you say, if you're not leading yourself, then you cannot lead other people. So I'm wondering if at that time, did you know and what did you try to do to try to make yourself regroup and reassess so that you could return that leadership to others? I realized it when a year had passed and I felt like I had just woke up and a year went by. Mm. And I felt like I was in the same place as when the pandemic started. I plateaued for another six months because I was paralyzed by the fact that I let myself get this way. Also, big part of leadership for me, I was not getting poured into. Mm. And that requires me putting myself around people that pour into me, number one, which was hard in COVID, right? And then... Sometimes in the environment that you're in, and this has happened to me several times in my life just with jobs, sometimes in a work environment, you're not surrounded by people who pour into you. I was struggling with that because I wasn't getting it personally. And so I was leaning on it professionally to to get poured into, and that wasn't happening. And so all I did was plateau and stay frustrated. But I've always been the quote unquote strong one in my friend group. So I'm not exactly the first person people think of to check on. I didn't really feel like that was happening either unless I was honest with someone that I needed it. And that's hard to admit uh, that, that you need and want the help when you yourself are so used to being the strong one. Because sometimes, even though you see yourself that way, others may not. But they're hesitant to approach because they know that's the label you've placed on yourself. For you, where is leadership most prevalent in your life? And how has that changed over the course of your life? For me, I would say getting back to professional and personal leadership, there is a huge difference. I am super, super, super competitive. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to uh, personal leadership, yeah, I got that check. But I have learned that the way I respond to being led may not necessarily be the way someone else needs to be led. So after the pandemic and and getting those courses on leadership, I was inspired. And I instantly reached out to my closest friends and I said, I want you to describe my strengths. Tell me what you think my strengths are. Because 
I can think all day long that I'm good at doing something, but if that's not how I'm perceived, then my talents, as I know them, are not going to be helpful to someone else. And I was shocked by the consistent thread in the responses. I have different friend groups and they don't overlap. And they all said similar things. And it was very interesting to me, you know, um, calming in situations, jumping in head first, a great listener, a great motivator, gives great advice, awesome communicator, a good listener. The one that really stood out to me was you're very good at listening to people, not just listening to respond, but listening to understand. Mm. And I never really considered that to be a strength, but I do love to listen. But on the flip side of that, my communication could be better in terms of knowing when to speak. Because I don't believe that a leader needs to be the loudest person in the room. In fact, to me, a good leader is one that sits back and assesses the situation and is silent, knows when to speak. And so I've been trying to focus on that. It's the phrase that comes to mind is picking your battles. I also think that good leaders are, are good adapters. You have to be willing to take, yes, those calculated risks to, to foster and create growth and progress. But at the same time, you are not just carelessly trying to take on every battle that crosses your path. And I know some people will say, oh, well, that's just, you know, an excuse. And no, it's not an excuse. It, you really Sometimes it's just a matter of saying, let me sit back and and think and not have a knee-jerk reaction. Knee-jerk reaction. Guilty as charged <laughs> over here. I just get frustrated by how long it takes to make a decision sometimes that I just want to make a decision and it's not well thought out. And I will admit that. So I try not to let that take over my leadership <laughs> style. But we've we've used that word a couple of times. What would you say is your leadership style? For as many times if I've said it, you think I'm working on a lot of things, but I am working <laughs> on this as well. I don't like unsolicited feedback. So here's a pet peeve of mine. If I am just deep in thought, which I often am, because I, I meditate more than you know, you can be talking to me and I, I'm listening, but not actively listening because I am meditating. <laughs> Because it is mm -hmm. important to purge uh, in order to receive new information. And what I'm trying to make sure that, that I am not doing is going up to someone and saying, are you okay? Is there something I can help you with? All that is a pet peeve of mine. Because, you know, I might just be fine. I might just be deep in thought. I might just need a moment to, to breathe and I don't want to be a chatty Cathy at the moment doesn't mean anything is wrong with me. So I don't like giving unsolicited feedback. I want you to come to me and say, listen, this is something that I am working on. I value your opinion. What are your thoughts? And then I will jump right on in. I mean, you and I are going to make it to that finish line together, but I'm not going to come up to you first and say, ooh, I see you're struggling. You might want to work on your cadence a little bit so you can increase your, your cardio and maybe run a little faster on that last mile. You know, I always put things back in running. <laughs> of course. I really want to empower people to make their own decisions. My personality type is that I 
am not really afraid of consequences, mm. which my mom is listening to this and probably shaking her head like, that's the way I raised you. Growing up, yes, you make your decisions, but there are consequences, Allie. That's a very effective parenting style. And I think it worked well for me. It's not that I don't think there are consequences. It's that I know that I can handle whatever the consequence is of my decision afterwards. So I'm not willy-nilly making decisions thinking there's not going to be anything to pay for later. I just know that if I spend more of my short life thinking about this decision, that it's not worth it. But for some reason, some people have to be talked into that. You are capable. You can make this decision. What do you think based on what you know right now is the best decision? Okay, it's this. All right, then let's do that. What's the worst that can happen? And I think people make up stories in their head about what's the worst that can happen. Oh, for sure. And then when they say it out loud, it sounds irrational. <laughs> and that would be the one thing I would say about always keeping the consequences or knowing that there are going to be consequences at the forefront of your decision. It can handicap you. Don't automatically mm -hmm. assume that there is going to be a consequence because then you're telling yourself that it's going to go wrong and it might just go right. A consequence, it has a negative connotation, but a consequence is a consequence. It could be good. Everything could be fine. And I think that's what I'm trying to show people. I just don't make my decisions out of fear. But I also know that I am coming at that from a privileged place because I'm a manager and I, well, I don't know this for a fact, but what I'm perceiving from the people that I lead is that they feel like I'm not insecure about my job, that I could lose it at any point. They feel like I don't think that can happen. Whereas I'm sensing that from them. If I mess this up, I could lose my job. And so as their manager, as their leader, I'm trying to put them at ease that there is somebody blocking that from happening and it's me. So Go make your decision. We've talked about it. I'll back you up. And the consequences don't only fall on you. They fall on me too. But there are times where I don't want to be in it at all because now I'm a crutch for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing you a disservice by helping you make a decision when you could make it on your own. It will go fine. You didn't even need me. And you will be empowered by that versus knowing that you needed my help. You got to give people the resources that they need to succeed. And then also recognize and reward those contributions. My team is about to do their self-assessment. So they have a self-assessment and then I read it over, I take notes and then we have a one-on-one -on -one and we talk about it. And one of the questions on there that I added this year is what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. I love to leave that question open-ended because I get to see where their head's at when they answer that question. And when it's something that I can provide, I get very excited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get frustrated when it's something that I can't provide. I think that's the hardest part of leadership is when you hit those speed bumps and there really is nothing that you can do. I mean, I work in a regular old company, right? There's a CEO and the C-suite and everything like that. So I'm not at the top. I used to think when I was younger that people who are in leadership roles deserved it, like got there because of their leadership skills. And the amount of people that I have come in contact with or read about or watch on TV that don't have the skills to have the responsibility that they have it really, really frustrates me because being a leader takes a lot of work and there's people who aren't putting the work in, but they've got a lot of people they're responsible for. So I think that there's a difference between a role and actually being a leader. So say a supervisor, 
to me isn't necessarily a leader. Manager, just because they're in that higher position, isn't necessarily a leader. A leader is someone who goes above and beyond to make sure that the team around them, the people around them, are succeeding and that they have what they need. When you say there are people in in leadership roles and and you don't think that they've earned that right to get there, you're calling them a leader. It doesn't mean that they are just because they're in a higher position. And that's an esteemed word to me. Oh, for sure. Just like hero is for me. Mm -hmm. You know, they can be used far too frequently, but it means a great deal to be called a leader, to be called a hero. Those are both titles that are, yes, extremely earned. Knowing that and, and how much it means to you, how do you stay motivated to continue to lead well? I try to make sure that I'm constantly growing and growing in areas that may once upon a time have been not of any interest to me. But I think a leader needs to know a little bit about everything so that they're able to better relate to the person that they're trying to help. I am forever trying to perfect my communication skills. I want to be clear and concise in my communication. And I also want to lead by example. Um, I think it's hard to follow someone when you're not even modeling said behavior. And don't give me that, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't count. And I think that I could be better too by fostering more of a culture of collaboration. I tend to do things on my own a lot, and I can motivate you. But when it comes to having a team of people Because I am so competitive and because I so want desperately to do the best, I want to make sure that I do it myself. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't go well, then I want to just be mad at myself. Okay, so you and I, we were kayaking recently. And there are so many times when I think we both wanted to just say, let me do it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I don't want to get mad at her. She's in the back and technically she's doing most of the work. And then, you know, from your perspective, it's like, well, she's in the front. She's got to call out the directions, but she's not. You know, but in my head, I know which direction we want to go. And so I'm just calling out the direction that I think we need to go in. But in kayaking, it's the reverse. So if you want to go right, you need to say left. But as you recall, instantly I suggested tandem. I like working on a team. But in the thick of it, if it starts to get dicey, then I want to do it myself. I don't want to make others feel bad. And so you got to work on that because you're going to be disappointments, right? You're going to make mistakes. That's how we grow. For me, it's not, I don't want to hurt the other person or like, I don't want to upset them or anything. For me, it all comes down to trust. Hmm. If I start taking over or getting kind of panicked in a group setting or something like that, it's because I don't trust everyone else. And so it's a little bit selfish. Now, when I do trust the people around me, I do this seesaw of back and forth. So there will be times where I'm being really stubborn or argumentative because I want something to go a certain way because I don't trust that person. But then there's other situations where I just back off, which is very unlike me 
because I trust the person that I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. So there were times when we were kayaking, you started calling it out correctly and I would just do that versus continuing to listen to the voice in my head, (laughs) which is what I wanted to do. (laughs) So we're both works in progress. (laughs) Exactly. But we got there. Yeah, we did. We got there. We did. Said you said tandem, and I was like, "Why right? do you want to do that?" Because I know how competitive you are, and I was like, "You're just going to think this is a race yeah. with the other people." But none of these people think this is a race. It, instantly, that's where my head goes, and then, but then, that's when you start getting ahead of yourself, right? Um, yeah. And then that's where the miscommunication came because I'm like two steps faster in my head than what my mouth is able to communicate, and then yeah. we end up going in the wrong direction. (laughs) But to our credit, we never got far out to where one of the guides had to come get us. Never. That's correct. And that happened to some other people several times. I I was a little concerned because it was before our our half marathon. So I was like, listen, I am not trying to gas out today. It was fun though. Yeah, I stole this from Brene Brown's podcast because I used to listen to that all the time. And she had two different podcasts. I highly recommend both of them. But one of them is called Dare to Lead. So it is about leadership. And she has people on to talk about that. And one of the things that she would ask her guests is, what's one piece of leadership advice that's so bad you want to warn people about it or so good that you want to share it? And what would be yours? I didn't realize this was leadership advice until I was older. But one of my professors in college said, I would rather catch you after you jumped off a cliff versus push you off of one. And so what he was saying is, this is a journalism professor. I was constantly asking questions and he used that metaphor because he said, you need to learn to jump and take risks on your own because you're not doing that on your own. My force is doing that to you. Me and my expertise and my wisdom is doing it for you instead of you having the courage to do it yourself. Basically, it's be brave and stop relying on me (laughs) for you to be brave. And we all have to put our fears aside from time to time to take that leap. And, And often just doing that is the hardest part. Just being able to set that aside and step up. You cannot have a successful mission, a successful race, if you don't know what the goal is. I need to know what it is that you want me to do. Is this a a half marathon? Is it 13.1 miles? Are we doing a full marathon? Is this 26.2? Are we just doing a 5K, 3.1? If I don't know where we're going, I'm not going to know how to get there. And a good leader needs to be able to communicate not only what the goal is, but what the expectation is. And you can't assume people are going to know. You can't assume that just because I say, and you're going to need some running shoes, that I'm going to automatically know that, oh, okay, we're just going out actually for a two-mile jog. It's none of those things I thought. You know, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And that would be my biggest advice. Make sure that you are communicating, and not necessarily in the way that you like to be communicated to. Because, you know, I want the information fast and I want it quick, hazard of my job. But Mm -hmm. you, Allie, may not want me to talk to you like that. It may come across as as being, you know, insensitive. In a professional setting, 
I am realizing how hard it is for multiple generations to work together because we all communicate differently. Oh, that is such a different podcast. Because I find myself calling my mom just to see what she thinks, and then she agrees with the person I'm fighting oh, no. with. Yeah, no. Because they're in the same generation, and I'm going, okay, all right, hold all on right. a second. <laughs> what is my millennial self telling right. telling me? You know. But I have many people on my team are young, mm-hmm. and so. I'm trying to learn about them. And I think that sometimes if you were kind of looking at my day from the outside in, you'd probably think all she does is talk to them all day. What is she even doing? What work is she even doing? And I'm just finding the longer that I'm with them and and leading them that I have to know these things about them. And I have to talk to them like they're human beings, because that's the only way that I'm going to get 100% out of them. Yeah. Because the second they feel that I don't understand them or I don't listen, or I just think they're workhorses, they're going to be at 85%, 75%, and then they're going to start silent quitting. Mm-hmm. That's a generational thing, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, it's different. Generation Z, which is who you're talking about now, wanting to be heard, uh, wanting more of that one-on-one, you motivate me to do this work. And then there's the millennial which is, you know, if if I'm not getting what I need here, then I'm going to go elsewhere because my time is more precious. Uh, then there's the the Gen X, who you know they had to figure everything out. They were latchkey kids, mm-hmm. so I don't need you to hold my hand. I've got this. And then you have the Boomers. They are of that mindset of you. You got to work hard and you got to save, and it's it's just ah. They're all necessary. Yes. But when you start to cross over, ooh, it can be. Yeah, it can get dicey. I don't think that it's always possible to check your emotions at the door. I just don't. I've got a couple people on my team who have kids. If something is wrong with their kid, there's nothing I can say or do in that day that will make them work 100% of what they can give to me. Because half their brain is thinking about their poor sick child and if they're okay. And so I know that there's people who would disagree with me on that, but that's just what I'm experiencing. So obviously that's all I'm going to know about, right? But I am trying to be the kind of leader that offers grace and empathy in that, but also towing the line of not doing it too much because then then I'm causing another problem, mm. which is they're going to think they can do that all the time. I try to find that balance and it's really, really hard. So is being a leader. I found a text from January 26th that I sent you Mm. after you sent me a very nice text about something that you learned in your meditation. And I'm not going to read that part. I'm going to read the response that I had to you. So I said, your vulnerability is brave. And I so appreciate your friendship. I hope I'm half as good a mom one day as you are. I lost my way a little bit. And that's the last time that you saw me. That was in Asheville. Thank you for accepting me no matter what season I'm in. These habits that you hold me accountable to now are literally saving me from myself. I hope you know you inspire so many, including me, to be better every day. I have that message. You know I save all of my text messages. My son, and I'm trying to help him to understand that it's a a false assessment. He says, nothing bothers you. You don't get upset. You, You never cry. It's seldom, it's rare that I do cry, but but things bother me a great deal. I just, I tuck them away so that it doesn't affect me in the many roles I have as an anchor, 
Um, And it's probably because of my job that I'm able to say, you know what, I'm going to have to deal with that later because now I have this newscast. We can't worry about that. But you sent me that message and I thought it was the most endearing message. And I remember discussing it with Dylan and I said, she's a good friend. And I remember also telling him that I felt bad for not realizing, you know, at the time, um, you know, and going back to what we're discussing, leadership, a leader recognizes when something is off in one of their teammates and they're able to, even if it's not directly going up to them and saying, what's wrong when something may or may not be, they have other ways of drawing them back into the group. And so I try to be more aware of doing that. Um, You were actually a part of one of those exercises that I I started where I had a, a phone call with a group of ladies just so we could converse, uh, support one another. It can be an exercise like that, is my point. You don't always have to directly say the word, what's wrong? How can I help? There are clues people give you. And if you are present, and if you are a good leader, which I hope to be, you'll recognize that and you'll find a way to mm-hmm. reach out. And if you're taking care of yourself, in completely unrelated ways than how you relate with your friends, you'll still find yourself more focused to take care of them. That's what I'm finding. You know, I don't have to be watching your newscasts all the time to know what's going on in your life and all these things and relate to you. I just need to pay attention Mm -hmm. to what I know about you, how we communicate, and then pay attention to me and making sure that I am healthy and focused so that I then have the mental capacity to reach out and have those conversations with you. You can shed light to other people when you protect your flame. We will discuss that. Just refilling your cup, putting yourself first. And only because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to take care of others. That said, I'm still putting on that face mask on my son and daughter. And that's okay. I cannot see myself. Oh, let me get my mask on, Phoenix, Sydney. I'll give one more one moment here. Don't come at me, people. I know it's not the right thing to do. Oh, this was lovely. Thank you. I love talking about leadership. And furthermore, I love finding different courses. And there are so many online. I would encourage you to look into the program at Troy University. They do this every year. And it's free. And the resources that they provide are incredible. And Coursera is a great resource as well. Even LinkedIn, Allie, they have courses that they offer on leadership. But it also talks about the importance of inclusivity, of diversity, and knowing the importance of of mentoring, mm-hmm. which essentially good leader is. Yeah. I like it. I gave you an endpoint. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>